One thing is certain, the world is forever moving forward, and with it people, whoever and wherever they are. For Audi, the future represents a vision to innovate. Driven by the pursuit of progress, Audi regards the future as a guiding philosophy, replete with opportunities and bursting with potential. At Audi, the future is more than a measurement of time, it's an attitude. Join us for The Art of Moving Forward, a series that delves deep into the notion of progress and introduces the people shaping the world that's yet to come. Last time on The Art of Moving Forward, we introduced Audi's paradigm-shifting new vehicle, the e-tron GT. This week, we're going to learn more about the road ahead for the future of personal mobility as we turn to the Audi Q4 e-tron, Audi's new fully electric models. We'll also investigate the way developments in personal mobility stand to impact the cities we call home as we meet leading urban planner Helle Serholt of Gell Architects. That's coming up a little later, but first we'll turn to a new car that brings Audi's progress-oriented design philosophy to bear on the Audi Q4 e-tron. Audi's Q4 e-tron models embody the automotive giant's idea of progress as they introduce new features that put a tailored individualism at the heart of the driving experience. César Montada is the head of light design at Audi. His work informs the aesthetic and intuitive characteristics of Audi vehicles. So how has he seen his field change in recent years? The light technology... It's a very specific area. It's something that it has developed extremely quick in the last years. We come from simple technology that was not allowing us to, to design very complex shapes. We went through the electronic evolution with this new technology to a complete freedom. It means that we can design objects that fit very well into the rest of the design of the car. We are a part of, of a whole picture, you know, of a, of a whole story. This freedom and this possibility became with the LEDs at the beginning, where we could place them in the way we wanted to describe a shape or a line. Yeah. Today, for example, on the rear, we do the same with OLEDs, where we can also use it to, to do different type of signatures. New technology has facilitated incredible developments in light design. But how does César understand its underlying role? Basically, light it has always been a mean of communication, I think. If we take, for example, at the seaside and you see um, a lighthouse, it's telling you I'm here, it's telling you this is the safe harbor here. It's a bit also of a communication. In the car, we need also some communications to make uh, understandable some difficult situations. We realize that it's sometimes not easy to understand. We tend to look at the eyes of the people, of the driver or the passenger, to understand what do you really want to do. The light, of course, uh, first um, communication tool, I would say, is the indicator. And we have this dynamic indicator where we are not just saying we are blinking on the left-hand side, for example. So we are just indicating we are going left. We are really indicating because our dynamic indicator takes the direction and shows the direction. So I think this was the first step on communication. And then in the future, we're going to need it more as we move towards a more complex driving situations and we go more and more into the into other types of driving mode where maybe we are not even steering the cars anymore so we need to through light we need to say 
what do we want to do? We, we need to make it understandable. And this has to be actually worldwide. It doesn't help to do it by writing. We need some simple but clear worldwide communication. And this, this is the job of light. Creating a universal language capable of communicating across borders and demographics is an awesome responsibility. But how has Cesar brought his understanding of the role of lighting design to bear on Audi's new Q4 e-tron? This car is bringing something unique. When you look at the Audis, as you know, you can recognize an Audi from far away already. It's got some principles and you say like, wow, there comes an Audi. I think this is unmistakable. When it comes a bit closer, you know which Audi it is. We thought it would be great if we could give certain Audi character that fits to the person, that the person can say, I feel happier today, or yeah, and I'm in a serious mood, or I want that the people tell, it's not I saw the Audi, but they say I saw you and your Audi, you know? So it's a bit more like a, these fans that they are part of the story, we thought it would be great to give them the opportunity to select some slight signatures that fit them better. They can do this in this car anytime. They can press and they can select which signature they want. The scope for personalization introduces a new dimension to the idea of lighting as a platform for communication. It's a bold, future-facing initiative. How does it chime with Cesar's understanding of progress? Progress means you're moving. This is the first part. And of course, you, you move forward and you reach a point and you think this is a point where I feel good about it. I think it's positive for everybody. You know, it's a, it's a good move. And then I think that you realize it's progress when you turn around and you see people following this path. So you maybe inspired other people to follow this path and then even go further. They move on. They carry on this drive. What you start in this moment, you can say it's like you didn't achieve just this uh, little step. It was really a, a big leap, you know. You're really moving forward in the way that is going to bring something to all of us in the society. And for me, in this moment, it's progress. What then typifies Audi's paradigm-shifting approach to lighting design? We want that our car is recognisable from far away. And we use for this, first of all, it has to be a white object. Our cars are very sporty, sitting low on the ground. Also, our tall cars like SUVs, they have this a sporty character. We then structure this light element. In this case, we segment it into areas in order to show the light and the shadow part. So we play not only with the light part, but also with the shadow part. This makes the character, the signatures, and when this car is close to you, you can recognize the design. But when it's close to you, then also you realize what makes an Audi, and it's the detailing. So the high-technology-packed light elements but they are beautifully designed and very quietly designed. The signature itself, the way the angles change in a subtle way, but in a clear way, understandable way, makes everything very quiet. You don't have this hectic, you know, this nervous feeling. You have a sporty signatures, but never this unprecise and hectic. Everything is clear, precise detail. This has to do with the way we treated them from far away, but then how we work on them in the clothes, in the detailing. Our designers take a lot of time to do a huge amount of uh, detailing and to place every radius, every volume the right way. Not only when it's switched off, you know, and you look at it as a cold object, but obviously also when it's uh, lighting up and it's reflecting everywhere. It needs to be clear. It needs to be precise. Even if it's sporty, it needs to be quiet. 
you know, not nervous. Cesar's approach to and understanding of lighting is that of a true craftsman. Given his mastery of the field, what new trends has he seen emerging or even set himself? We're definitely moving forward fast. So it's difficult for me to talk about a, a general trend that is uh, out there, apart from light has become maybe more important for everybody. I think, as you can see, this happening by the amount of light that is out there, by the amount of attention that other people are giving to the light subject. So we could say that light itself is a trend. The auto industry is moving fast, and I think that we are developing a new way of understanding light. It's not only just making more light, but having it there where you need it, doing the things in the right way, having it um, beautiful objects where you are not tired to look at it, so that it's not just fashionable. And of course, the communication theme, where we see is like the next steps, of course, pretty far away. But we see that uh, this thing is building up communication using light. From all the technologies that we have around, I think that LED has shown is being able to adapt almost to every situation. As we've heard from Audi's head of design, Mark Lichter, emotion is key to the company's progressive approach. So what lighting technologies does Cesar turn to to invest cars with emotional resonance? And how important is developing new sources of light? LED can do it very well. There's a problem when the LED is misused. Let's say when, when there's too much light intensity where you don't need it. This is why we created this matrix light, which is LED. And this is this high beam that switches off partially when there's an incoming car in order not to disturb, you know. Developing better light, it's quite interesting because it's a bigger picture. It's not anymore just a light source, which is very effective and is lasting long, but also the general concept. I think we are making a big step forward in that way. Lighting design isn't just about safety. Lighting is an emotional, communicative medium that can inform and reflect mood, influence decisions and create unique and inspiring associations. Where does Cesar find his inspiration? Personally, I take my inspiration every day. So I think nature has created something wonderful that is everything more or less based on light. When you look at the stars at night, now it's getting dark outside. Soon will be the stars there and will be the moon and planets. And when you look out there, all these stars, what they're showing is the light of the past. They're inspiring you, but it's a, it's a message from the past. And then you sit down and you think, it's beautiful, but it's the past. And what do I do for the future? And then you get inspired by maybe things that have nothing to do with nature. Maybe it's a technological thing that you've seen. Maybe it's a building. Maybe I walk into a building and there's some strange reflections. And I stop and I want to take a picture and think, what's that inspiring me? What's what's bringing me uh, in in the thoughts? And I try to interpret this maybe in a car and I share these thoughts with my colleagues. Then there's the books, which I love reading. I get lost in the books, like the library. I read sometimes very slowly in order to realize what it was meant with that word or another word. So the words have some power to generate some some pictures also. And then what I really love, and, and there is maybe my my most loved source of inspiration, is talking to my colleagues. I love going for lunch. I'm from, from Barcelona. I love these long lunch hours where you talk about everything. You want to change the world. And we go from one thing to the other very easily. You know, everybody brings a subject and, and we jump and jump and jump. And all of a sudden, there is always in each of these conversations, shall we do that? Can we do that? Yeah, why not? Yeah, 
well, let's start. Yeah, okay, okay. Uh, do we have a plan? And it's always, it's always, it's the other people's thoughts, perspectives, letting the thoughts free, you know? But the thing is in the talk, in the sharing, there's more power there when we share something together. I like the contact. I like to see the eyes of the people. And when we share the ideas, to see how the eyes change. I think it is very important to see the reaction of the people and to share this. And this is my strongest moment of inspiration is actually people. Cesar Montada, Audi's head of light design there. We'll turn our focus now from the groundbreaking design that's shaping a new generation of vehicles to the streets those vehicles will travel as we meet pioneering architect and urban designer Helle Serholt. That's still to come on The Art of Moving Forward. The electric vehicle revolution doesn't just spell change for consumers, it's also poised to impact the fundamentals of how we interact with the cities we call home. Helle Serholt is the co-founder of Gell Architects, one of the world's foremost practices in the field of urban design. She's dedicated her career to finding future-facing and people-centred solutions to planning. So what does the notion of progress mean to Helle? Well, progress, I would define when it benefits people and communities. I don't think infrastructure or architecture or the shape of things in itself is a goal, but I think they are all means to getting a more sustainable future and a healthier urban life. So I would definitely define progress around people and their health and their access to opportunities. It's a holistic approach that seeks to engage with the material fabric of a city as a means to improving life for its inhabitants. How does this guiding philosophy manifest in the work of Gell Architects? Well, we have what we call a people-first approach to urban strategy and design. So that means we start with analysing communities' needs, where a certain city might be at in their development, in their engagement, We try to map what we call public life, which is basically mobility patterns, but also activities, life that is happening outside and between buildings, so to speak, because we do see public life as a way to also illustrate the quality of life in an area. So we start with that. And on the basis of those surveys, you could say, and baseline mapping, we identify areas for strategic development and then come up with the concrete, actionable plans for how to mitigate those issues that we've seen. While it's impossible to predict the future, how does this approach help to shape it? We try to map what is like currently at stake and current needs, and then we very much promote a monitoring approach where we test and refine all the things that we develop, and then we monitor whether we are actually delivering the progress and the impact sustainably and socially and economically that we are aiming for. So how does this agile model translate into architecture and urban design? Our Gale approach, starting with public life and understanding local needs, is definitely an approach that you can apply to most places. But then the actual design response and the strategies will have to be different from place to place. Just the pace of development is so incredibly difficult and different across the world. 
economic means are different, social capabilities and means are different, but that doesn't necessarily change the fact that we can aim for a better and more sustainable future in all of the projects that we engage. What then does this mean for the cities of the future? What qualities will we see coming to the fore over the coming decades? Cities definitely need to be providing more equal access to more people. We need more people to have equitable access to health systems, educational systems, work opportunities and so forth. We also need people to have equitable access to housing in our urban areas. And mobility, for example, transport-wise, is also an area that we pay a lot of attention to and, and work with in order to provide that accessibility. Cities also need to be greener. Many of our urban areas don't have the uh, access to public spaces where people can actually be active during their everyday commute and in their spare time. So we need greener cities that can also ensure more climate adaptation and climate mitigation. With a seismic shift in the very nature of personal transport underway in the form of the electric vehicle revolution, how does Heller see that question of urban mobility being answered? We see actually a tendency under COVID here for a kind of localism to get a revival. The centralised version of cities that we've seen for the last decade where a lot of retail is centralised in the centre core and then we have surrounding suburbs and local districts that are much more housing-oriented only. We are seeing a shift now, obviously, because more people are working from home and so forth, towards a much-needed localism. If we can have more mixed-use, compact urban neighbourhoods, so to speak, then people wouldn't have to travel such a long distance to get to education or to work, which would, again, mean that we could accommodate for more walking, more cycling, more micro-mobility, more easy access to public transportation that could get us further, faster. How, then, would Hella describe the Gell vision for future-facing cities? We hope for cities to be more livable, to be more people-oriented, for cities to have a human scale where people can be socially connected in local communities where they live and where there is a resiliency in response to the climate challenges that we have, in response to the health challenges and so forth. So basically, a city that is great to live and work in and can be experienced from an eye level. Many thanks to Hella Serholt of Gell Architects. That's all we've got time for on this edition of The Art of Moving Forward. Today we've heard from César Montada, Audi's Head of Light Design, who unpacked the emotional, practical and communication potential of lighting and explained how the source of his inspiration lies in the people he surrounds himself with. We've also found out how progressive design puts people at the centre. Hella Serholt of Gell Architects explained how a human-centric approach to urban design stands to improve the cities of the future. Next time, we'll be finding out more about tomorrow's world as we ask how Audi's core concept of premium mobility chimes with the needs of our collective future. You can find out more at monocle.com or catch up anytime on our website or wherever you get your podcasts. Until next time, goodbye and thanks for being with us. Audi e-tron GT Quattro. Power consumption combined, 
19.6 to 18.8 kilowatt-hours per 100 kilometers NEDC, 21.6 to 19.9 kilowatt-hours per 100 kilometers WLTP. CO2 emissions combined, 0 grams per kilometer. Audi Q4 e-tron, power consumption combined, 17.9 to 15.6 kilowatt-hours per 100 kilometers NEDC, 20.9 to 16.6 kilowatt-hours per 100 kilometers WLTP. CO2 emissions combined, 0 grams per kilometer. Further information on official fuel consumption figures and the official specific CO2 emissions of new passenger cars can be found in the guide Information on the Fuel Consumption, CO2 Emissions and Electricity Consumption of New Cars, which is available free of charge at all sales dealerships and from DAT Deutsche Automobile, Treuhand GmbH, Helmut Hertzstrasse 1, 73760, Offildernschwanhausen, Germany. www.dat.de